We're to continually be setting our mind on things above. And we're to continually be putting to death the deeds of the body. Yes, there's some once and for all truth that's the foundation for it. He's laid that. But now the emphasis is to keep setting your mind on things above. And to keep putting to death the deeds of the body. It's a continual thing. The Holy Spirit's given to bring life. And He is the one who will focus our mind on the things of the Spirit. And He is the one who enables us to live lives that please God. And remember, and we talked about it at length last time, but I want to uh, remind you that this living according to the Spirit is a life that pleases God. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part six of the message titled, Life in the Spirit. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. When you come to uh, to the epistles after Pentecost, every reference is stated in the past tense because the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and since then, every believer is indwelt with the Holy Spirit, is in the Spirit. So Romans 5, remember that was uh, really one of the few times he'd even mentioned the Holy Spirit until he gets to chapter 8. That's really not the purpose of what he's driving at. But he mentions the Holy Spirit in passing, and he says, you know, this hope that we have that uh, God works into us through tribulation doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Past tense. The Holy Spirit was given to us. However, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, he says. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. In fact, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 22. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. I think it's 14 times that Paul says in Romans and Corinthians combined, don't you know? And then he gives truths, you know. And in Corinthians, the carnal Corinthians, the Corinthians who were struggling with these things, he said, don't you know? Your body is a temple. Of the Holy Spirit. So I'm telling you, the Bible is very clear. If you've come to Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you. You are in the Spirit. The life-giving Spirit lives within you. And all the references on this side of Pentecost stated as a matter of fact or in the past tense. When Jesus was speaking of it, he looked at it as future because we're talking about a day in history, the historical day of Pentecost. It's so certain that Paul says to Timothy, you know, toward the end of his life, he says, listen, Timothy, guard the treasure that's been entrusted to you. But he doesn't just say that. He says, guard through the Holy Spirit who indwells us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. When we're charged to guard the gospel, to guard the faith that we've been given, he says, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. He always puts it this way. It's not an iffy kind of a thing. This isn't based on how I feel. This is based on the fact of Scripture. This isn't based on any kind of emotionalism that a Christian gets the Spirit when they go through some sort of an experience. This is based on the fact 
of Scripture, the finished work of Christ. He said, it's to your advantage that I go. If I don't go, he won't come, but if I go, he will come. And Jesus proclaimed the gospel ahead of time in John 7 when he said, listen, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink, and you'll have living water coming from within. He who believes in me from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So, underline it in your mind and in your heart. You don't need to go seeking the Holy Spirit. He lives within you, Christian. You don't get a part of Him, and you need to go get more of Him. He comes in person. He is the emphasis of Jesus' statement. He, the other helper, just like me. God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Father. Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father, and He'll give you another one just like me, the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And He dwells within us, and He is, notice now, turn back to Romans 8 and look at it, He is the life-giving Spirit. We are born of the Spirit. That's how we get life. We live in the Spirit. He is the life-giving Spirit, and He empowers our daily life to live according to the Spirit. And notice what he says in verse 10. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Our bodies are just as dead as the next guy's. They're mortal. And our bodies wear out just like non-Christians. But our body is dead because of sin, yes. But the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. The Holy Spirit has taken up residency in our life and brought life. To us. So our body is going down, but we have spiritual life. And verse 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, and the Holy Spirit raised God the Son from the dead, we're told here. As you think of the triune God, you really can't separate them sometimes in, in, the, in what took place, but it's beautiful to see that the whole triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit were involved in the death and resurrection, the accomplishment of our salvation. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. Just like he's the giver of spiritual life at the point of salvation, he's going to give us physical life, the Holy Spirit will, at the point of the resurrection. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit from God the Father and God the Son, will give life to our bodies, and we're going to get new bodies, and he's given now as a pledge of that. So he is the life-giving spirit. He gives life at birth and he gives life at resurrection. And when I say at birth, I'm not talking about physical life now. I'm talking about the rebirth, the spiritual birth where the Holy Spirit gives life and then looking ahead to the resurrection when the Holy Spirit, who is given as a pledge now, will give life to our bodies. Now having said that, He says, we have an obligation. The basis is laid, the foundation is laid. Now we have an obligation to live according to the Spirit. Verse 12 and 13. So then, brethren, we're under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you live by the Spirit, 
Walk by the Spirit. That's how pithy he puts it in Galatians 5. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And that's really a summary. That's Galatians 5.25. That's a summary of what he's saying here in Romans 8. He says, listen, we've been given life. We have life in the Spirit. He indwells us. Now we have a new obligation. And that is not to live according to the flesh. That's the way of death. But to live according to to the Spirit. And somebody says, well, well how? What's, how, do you, how do you fulfill that obligation? Well, that's why it's hard to separate this out because Paul has been saying for 13 verses now two great truths, basically, it seems to me. Uh, he's, we spent quite a bit of time on it. He's talking about our mindset. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And now, verse 13, he introduces the negative side of what he talked about in verse 4 of living a holy life. The negative side is, put to death the deeds of the body. So, let's summarize what he's talking about here and our obligation. Our obligation is to live according to the Spirit. You do that in a positive sense by setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, and in a negative sense, putting to death the deeds of the body. And he's emphasized both, and I want to underline three things about both of these. And you can see them there, and it seems to me it's very clear that uh, it's helpful to stop and think, well, what does it mean, and what's the distinctives of setting our mind on the things of the Spirit and putting to death the deeds of the body? First thing, both are deliberate, okay? Set your mind, he says, we're commanded to. So we deliberately put our mind on certain things. And look at verse 13. Put to death the deeds of the body. A conscious choice to put away any known sin. You consciously put, fill your mind with the things of God and you consciously put away, put to death any known sin. Secondly, both are present tense. Did you notice that? This isn't something that you do once for all at a dedication service back in 1981. No. The idea of the present tense and, and the whole idea of Scripture is that we're to continually be setting our mind on things above. And we're to continually be putting to death the deeds of the body. Yes, there's some once and for all truth that's the foundation for it. He's laid that. But now the emphasis is to keep setting your mind on things above and to keep putting to death the deeds of the body. It's a continual thing, not just a once and for all kind of a thing. And both, thirdly, are done in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to bring life, and He is the one who will focus our mind on the things of the Spirit. And He is the one who enables us to live lives that please God. And remember, and we talked about it at length last time, but I want to uh, remind you that this living according to the Spirit is a life that pleases God. Pleases God. Now, fill your mind with the things of the Spirit. Set your mind on things above. Whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Philippians 4.8 says, 
Or Colossians 3, when he says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, for Christ who is our life is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is. Set your mind on what he's done for us. He died and rose again on our behalf. In fact, in one statement there in Colossians, he kind of summarizes all of Romans 6, 7, and 8. Think about what Christ has done in the liberating. Set your mind on these things. Uh, the things above, you've died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So he says, set your mind on these things. The psalmist, even in the Old Testament, put it this way, you know, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his focus is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. You see, it's so crucial that you and I fill our mind with the things of God. To walk in the Spirit is to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. That's our new obligation. That's why you'll find it all the way through Scripture that uh, just about every time God gets to the practical application of things, He speaks to the issues of our mind. Christianity and life particularly in the Spirit is not just kind of checking out and getting into a zone of emotion. Life in the Spirit is life renewed in the spirit of our mind. Turn over to, look at Romans 12. Look over at the main exhortation of Romans. I urge you therefore, verse 1, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your Mind. Oh, I urge you to be changed from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. When Paul spoke of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, he said the same thing. He said, listen, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And we all, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from glory to glory into the same image. The Bible often, or yeah, I should, um, the Bible speaks of the Bible. Scripture refers to itself as a mirror. Remember James said, you look in the mirror and what do you see? And you should do something about it, you know, is the idea. He says you don't just look in the mirror and then forget. He said if you do, that's not what it's for. You look in the mirror to do something about it. Well, the Bible does that. You look in the mirror, so to speak, and as you look in the Scripture, you see Christ. And as you gaze at him, the Holy Spirit takes his holy word and transforms you and me into the same image from glory to glory. It's a process of being conformed to the image of Christ. So, on the positive side, set your mind on the things above. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. But our obligation if you want to state it negatively, and it really isn't negative, I just contrast it that way. Look at verse 13, and he says, put to death the deeds of the body. To walk in the Spirit is to have no compromise with sin. Just like we talked about last week, there are many today who contrast uh, life in the Spirit with a mindlessness. The same often will contrast life in the Spirit with a life of disobedience or freedom to do as you like, whereas the Scripture emphasizes that life in the Spirit 
is life renewed in the mind and obedient to his word. The Holy Spirit came to open up his word. Why, life in the spirit is a life of holiness. Putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Having no compromise with sin. Look over at Romans 13. Romans 13. To walk in the Spirit is to give no place to the flesh. You know, the Bible says that the flesh and the Spirit are constantly struggling against each other. And when we walk in the Spirit, we will not cut any slack to the flesh, so to speak. So look at Romans 13, verse uh, 14. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's another way of saying walk in the Spirit. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Kill it. Put to death the deeds of the body. Make no provision for it. Don't feed it on the sly. A lot of Christians kind of give it a meal every now and then, so to speak. He says, no, don't give it any provision. Starve it out. Kill it. Make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Is there some area of your life where You're not putting to death the deeds of the body, but you're putting up with them, so to speak. You see, when the Holy Spirit took up residency in your life, He is the Holy Spirit. And when you let Him call the shots, when you walk in the Spirit, there will be no compromise with the flesh. To the degree that you and I make room for the flesh, make provision for the flesh, we are putting the lie to the to the issue of who's really calling the shots in our lives. The Holy Spirit is holy. Look over at Thessalonians. We looked at this last time, but I want you to see Thessalonians 4. Someone called this a ruthless rejection of all practices known to be evil. Put to death. I mean, think about it. Jesus used strong language, didn't he? Cut your hand off. Pluck out your eye. He doesn't say, oh, I know it's hard. Don't worry about it. He says, cut it off. Pluck it out. Make no provision. We're calling for holiness. Jesus said, or I should say Peter quotes the Old Testament in in 1 Peter when he says, be holy because I'm holy. Well, here in Thessalonians, where we looked last time, because he's talking about this life that pleases him. Verse 1, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you may excel still more. You know, you received instruction from us as to how you can walk and live and please God, and you're doing that, he says. You're pleasing God. But I want you to excel still more. Now, we talked about it. But he get, we didn't look at the passage, and we really don't have time today except to say that he gets very specific then. He says, you're doing well, you're pleasing God, but I want you to excel still more. And then he gets right down to brass tacks. Notice verse 3, this is the will of God, your holiness, your sanctification. You say, well, what is that? Well, he gets point blank. He says, that is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Not in lustful passion. He said, verse 4, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who don't know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. 
For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in holiness, sanctification, holiness of life. To walk in the Spirit is to live a pure life. Oh, how our generation needs to hear this. And he doesn't beat around the bush. So he says, well, what is holiness? That you abstain from immorality. Put to death the deeds of the body. Don't get caught up in it. Don't make excuses for it. Make no provision for it. And if someone says, oh, that's being too rough, or calls that legalism, or calls that fleshly in some way, rather than the calling for the obedience of the Holy Spirit, notice verse 8, Paul was used to it in his day. Consequently, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his holy spirit to you. He is the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. He came in order that we might fulfill the requirement of the law. What the law couldn't do, weak as it was, God did. He sent his son to deliver us, to die for us, and he sent his spirit to live in us that we might live lives pleasing to him, holy lives. Primarily that will be done in a practical way by filling our minds with the things of God and putting to death the things of the flesh. No compromise with sin. That's the message of Christianity. You're a new Christian. Don't, don't kind of think that you kind of have to ramp up in your Christian life. Begin now to live wholeheartedly for Him. Don't compromise with sin. Put, to, put the deeds of the flesh to death. You've been a Christian for a while and maybe you've been lulled into thinking that a life of compromise is kind of the norm because you just take your cues from those around you. Go to the Scripture. And he says, fill your mind. Set your mind. Have a Spirit-filled mindset and then live accordingly and make no compromise with sin. So Romans 6 says, listen, you've died to sin. Romans 7 says... You're alive to God, and he, you can bear fruit to God now. You died to the law. You're not under the law anymore. Oh, yes, there's that struggle where our body is still here. There's that struggle that is ongoing in one sense throughout the Christian life. But you come to chapter 8, and he says, The Holy Spirit resides in you. Praise God, there is deliverance. And he calls for a holy life lived in the power of his Holy Spirit. New obligation for us. To live, not according to the flesh. Don't take your cues from the world around you. The church is to be distinctly different. Christians are to be holy in lifestyle. And it isn't a holier than thou, and it isn't a fleshly kind of legal obedience. It's a joyous, empowered life from within. And it's a life of joy and blessing to those around, even as Jesus said. It's like a living water's gushing out of our lives. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled Life in the Spirit, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. 
It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Downtown Bible only remains on the air through the generous contributions of listeners like you. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us on a regular basis to help us meet our day-to-day expenses. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. We don't just say, what do I want to do? What are my goals? What are my ambitions? What are my desires? What will make me happy? We're, we're delivered from that kind of life. We are led by His Spirit. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said, and I know them, and they follow me. The Christian gets up in the morning, and he knows there's more to life than merely playing it out for his own pleasure. He knows that he belongs to another, and he is led by his Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that uh, this is something mysterious or, or mystical, but I am saying it's very real. When you're born again, immediately there's a change within you. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature, and he has a new lifestyle a new way of life. He is led by the Holy Spirit. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings the final part of the message titled Life in the Spirit. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 